0: Amen. I'm gonna tell you, Philip. You brought the memories back for me, and probably for many of you, those days in, in that in that old Baptist church or wherever we grew up, and the Sunday singings and dinner on the ground, and we—that's kind of what we're gonna to try to recreate for homecoming on the 18th and. It's going to be a look back at at the past and the history of Berea, and a celebration of what God has done in this place, and and we're just going to have a good time together. And and we're going to after we and you already know how how we do with the food here, so you know that's going to be good. And then after that, we're going to just gather here and just with our church family, just have a good time of singing together. So if you have a talent or a song you'd like to share. See Mr. R.S. and he'll get you on the docket, and we'll have some of our folks sharing. We'll sing together, and there might be a surprise or two. You never know, so so you got to be got to be here to find out. But um, but we we it's it's just when when the family of God gets together, and those ties that bind us are so strong, and it's just awesome that we sing about that. And and at this time for we get going here. We're going to let the children be dismissed. Miss Lois is going to take the children for a time of children's church. (laughs) (laughs) and they're, They're going to have a good time, and we're going to have a good time today as well. United we stand. Divided we fall. You've heard that probably a lot of times. And no, this is not a Political sermon, this is not, this is not a military or, or patriotic sermon because, yes, unity is important in, in our nation, and, and that's something that we're, we're struggling with right now in our nation and something we're struggling with in our world. But, you know, we're not going to unite the country. We're not going to unite the, the, the world. We're not going to unite our communities until the family of God is united. Until the church is united. And when I say the church, I don't just mean Berea Baptist Church. I don't just mean Baptist churches. I mean all who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior all around the world. That's the church. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are the church. We are the church. And for too long, The church has been divided over things that the church shouldn't be divided over. Yeah, we're not all going to see everything exactly the same. We're not all going to agree on everything, and that's okay. But today I want to look at how, even with that, we can stand united. And Paul was writing this from prison in Rome to the church at Ephesus, which he had visited before, and uh, was reminding them, how important it is for the church um, to be united. And so if you have your Bible with you today, would you turn with me, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were were also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. I ask that you bless our time together today. I ask, Lord, that you just speak through the pages of your word, speak through your servant, speak, Lord, to our hearts today. And just let us see what you would have us see in this message. Let us take your word to the places where you want us to take it and do in and through us what you will. We give you all the honor and glory for you alone are worthy of it. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. So Paul is calling for the church to be one. And he is saying that we should live out the call of God that we have. Verse 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says that, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We have been called out of the world. Those who have answered that call, those who have given their lives to Christ, we are called. We're still in the world while we're in this life, but we're no longer of the world because we've been called to be separate. We've been called to be set apart. And we are to walk in a manner. We are to live our lives in a manner. Worthy of that calling. A manner that shows us to be different. Than we were before we answered the call of God. Before we accepted Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Before we came into relationship with him. Colossians 1.10 says. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To please him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. When we. Came to faith in Christ. He declared us righteous. We were justified in Him. We began the process of sanctification, which you, you hear me talk about all the time, where that's the growing process. That's where we're becoming more and more like Christ every day. We're not going to fully get there in this life. That's the glorification process when we leave this life. But as we walk this walk, as we live this life every day, our goal... Our aim, our purpose is to become more like Jesus every day, to look more like him, to act more like him. And on those days that we mess up and that we fall short, to pick ourselves back up and ask God to help us, guide us back onto the path that he has us on. Romans 12:1, Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual servant of worship, of service of worship, when we, we walk worthy of our calling, when we offer ourselves to God, when we are the sacrifice, Lord, take me. Do what you want to do in my life. Let me be useful to you. Let fruit for your kingdom come out of my life. Not that, not that I have any power to do anything for anybody, but... In in obedience to God as I share his word, as I minister his love to others, as I treat people the way Jesus would treat people. God works through that and bears fruit for the kingdom and plants seeds and brings people to himself and he uses us to do that. He doesn't need us. He's God. He can do anything he wants to do. But he loves us enough he wants to involve us in what he's doing. He wants to use us and we let Ourselves be used by him we follow him in everything we do and say and as those who are called out as those who have been changed by by God through Christ we are the church we are his body and we should strive for unity in the church our walk should cause us to grow to look more like Christ each day and then the way we treat people should match up accordingly verses 2 and 3 with all humility and gentleness with patience showing forbearance to one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace Colossians 3:12 and 14 say and so as those who have been chosen of God holy and beloved put on a heart of compassion kindness humility gentleness patience and beyond these things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity Y'all, nobody walks through those doors to get beat up. You can get beat up out in the world. This needs to be a safe place. The body of Christ needs to be a safe place for each other and for those out in the community around us. If we are going to achieve the purpose to which God has called us, we need to be united in that purpose. To be united in that purpose means we need to treat other people the way that Jesus treated other people. We need to see other people the way that Jesus saw other people with a heart of compassion, with a heart of kindness, with a heart of love, with a a heart of humility, with a heart of gentleness and patience. And y'all, I know, we, we, we're human. We, we get on each other's nerves. Sometimes it's hard to keep our patience with each other. But that's what we need to strive for. We need to strive to look, look at so, somebody because, you know, somebody might be getting on your nerves, but do you know what they're going through? Do you know what they're dealing with? Same thing. If somebody is, is ugly to you and you, it hurts you because they don't know what you're going through. At some point, if we just find that place where we can just show kindness and compassion, even if we don't understand and even if we don't agree. Because how are we going to get anybody to come into the family of God if we're constantly beating them over the head, telling them how terrible they are? There has to be love. and there, there, Of course there has to be honesty, but there has to be honesty in love. We, we, we have to love people into the kingdom and we have to treat each other the way that Jesus would. Philippians 2, 3, Paul says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. When we get to that place where it's not about me, When I come here on Sunday morning, it's not about me. God, how can I be of service to you? How can I encourage somebody else today? How can I make somebody else's day a little better? You know what? Because when I do that, when I let God use me, if if somebody gets a blessing from something I do or something I say, I get blessed even more. I don't have to come in here and ask for God what you got for me because I get it when God uses me to bless others. And you'll find when God uses you to bless others, whether it's in here or whether it's out in the community, that you're going to get a blessing from that too. It feels good to know that God used you to do something good for somebody. Even if that's something good is just a friendly word or just praying for them or, or just helping them with some yard work or helping them with their groceries or whatever it is. You know, we, we think it's got to be this big lofty thing. It, it, there's so many ways that God can use us to bless others. Some of you are, are blessing others right now where you sit and you don't even know it. But you are. And God can use us and we look for those ways to be used. And if, we, and if we look at it that way, what can I do for you? How can I serve the Lord? How can I serve others? And put myself at the bottom of that. I've heard it said this way, Jesus, others, you. What's that spell? Joy. And if we keep it in that order, we're going to experience that joy. John 17, 21, Jesus' prayer, which actually was alluded to in one of the songs we sang today, says that they may be one, even as the Father art in me and I in thee, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. Jesus' prayer and Paul's desire was for the church to be unified, the church to be one. And we may not agree on everything. We won't. And there's some things that that's okay. What color the carpet is, not a big deal. You know, what, what kind of wood the pews are made out of, I don't even know. Do, doesn't matter what time we meet, what songs we sing, what we serve at the potluck, what what our, our programs look like. All of that, that's okay. And even some theological things, some doctrinal issues that members of the church don't see exactly the same way. That's why we have so many different denominations. That's why we have so many different branches of different denominations because folks have different ways that they like to worship. Folks have different traditions that that they have, different ways that they interpret the scripture. And some of that... we can, we can disagree on and still have fellowship and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's got to be some common ground. And there are some things that we can't disagree on. And there are some things that become the ties that bind us together as the body of Christ Christ. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be able to find that common ground. And we're going to spend the rest of the time this morning looking at what Paul gives us as that common ground that all believers have in common. All believers, regardless of location, regardless of denomination, regardless of, of any traditions or or practices or styles or any of that all believers need to have these seven things in common that bind us together as the body of Christ and Paul lists these here in in the last three verses and I'm going to give you a lot a lot of Greek here too so if, if you want to write it down I'm not going to spell it right so you don't have to either but um I probably won't pronounce it right either, but I will give you several Greek words as we go through this. But what is the common ground that the body of Christ that, that the believers share? first is one body. Soma means body, organized whole made up of parts. Our bodies are made up of parts. And and together they make an organized whole. The church is made up of parts. We're the parts. And we make up an organized whole under the head who is Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 5 says so. We are many, are one in Christ and individually members of one another. And just like our bodies have different parts, we make up different parts of the body of Christ. But what happens if a part of your body isn't working the way it's supposed to be working. Well, it happened to me this week. You get sick. If a part of the body is not functioning the way it is supposed to function, the body gets sick. And if too many of the parts of the body stop working and stop functioning, then the body dies. So... It stands to reason in the body of Christ if the parts are functioning the way God intended the parts of the body to function then the body's going to be healthy. The church is going to be healthy when the members of the church are functioning the way God intended them to function. But when the members of the church are not functioning the way God intended them to function the church is going to be sick. Church is not going to be able to do Everything God has called her out to do if the parts of the body are not functioning the way they're supposed to. And as members of His body, we are one body. And despite the areas that we don't agree, despite the areas that we do things differently, our number one goal is to know Christ and make Him known. Spread the gospel around the world. Bring people into the family of God. That's it. And we all can be doing that. Who are a part of His body. One body. One spirit. Numa means breath. Spirit. God breathed life. Into us. And when we came to faith in Christ. He breathed new life into us. Giving us the person of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. God the Spirit to dwell inside of us. 1 Corinthians 12.4 says there are varieties of gifts. But the same Spirit. Paul talks in that chapter about spiritual gifts and about the way that each believer has a gift, and you do, and that's a different sermon for a different time. But what we need to understand is that there is one Holy Spirit that gives those gifts. God the Spirit is the one that gifts you. God, the, the same Spirit that gave me the gifts I have is the same Spirit that gave you the gifts you have. And if we're believers, we are all indwelled by the same Spirit. Because He is omnipresent. He can be everywhere all the time. And He is here with us today. He is here with you when you, when you go from here. And wherever you go. We forget that sometimes. But the same Spirit that indwells me indwells You, Ephesians 2.18 says, For through Him we have both our access in one Spirit to the Father. If we are believers, the Holy Spirit lives in us, which should cause us to want to be at peace with each other. If we have the same Spirit, find that common ground and we build on that. Instead of building on where we're different, build on where we're the same. It's got to start in the church before we can do it anywhere else. We get it right in here. Then we can help others out there to work on it. Get it right. It starts here. We have one hope. Just as you were also called in one hope of your calling. El peace. Means hope. Means confident expectation of Good. Confident expectation of good. You know, we use that word hope where we say, well, I hope today is a good day. I hope nobody in my house is sick tomorrow. I hope the school bus shows up on time. We had that problem this week too. Some of y'all are saying, I hope that preacher quits by 12 so I can go eat. But hope means so much more than that. It's a confident expectation of good. Because I have hope, Colossians 1.5 says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Because I have hope, I am expecting Christ to do what he said he was going to do. I'm expecting that day when he comes again. And on that day when he comes again to set up his eternal kingdom and to establish it forever and ever. I expect That because I put my faith in Him, I'm going to be going. I'm going to be one in that number. I'm going to be with Him forever and ever because He promised it. And so because I have that hope that He gave me through what He did for me and through me accepting that gift, I expect that it's going to happen. And I am confident that on that day, I'll be with my Lord forever and ever. And that's a hope that we as Christians have. A hope of eternal life that those who don't know the Lord don't have. And That's why it's up to us to be sharing that gospel. That's why it's up to us to be spreading the good news to our friends and neighbors and family members and co-workers and classmates and strangers that don't know the Lord. Because we want them to have the hope that we have. Peter says, always be ready to give an account of the hope that's in you. Always be ready because we have one hope. Look at verse 5, we have one Lord. We have one Lord. The word curios means master, owner, possessor, boss. We like to say Jesus is our Savior. The heaven part sounds good. We struggle sometimes with the Lord part. because Sometimes we want to be the boss. Sometimes we want to call the shots. Lord, I, I, I want you to save me, and I'll do most of what you want me to do. Remember that, what, what, what we say a few weeks ago? Not I surrender some. but we struggle sometimes with lordship. We struggle sometimes with, with actually making Jesus the boss, the owner, the master of our lives. Jesus said in, in John 13, 13, You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. And Peter said in his sermon in Acts 2, 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He paid the price for our sin. He took our place to atone for what we couldn't. He died a cruel death on a Roman cross. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he conquered death when he walked out of that grave he ascended to the right hand of the Father and He's coming again. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says that the name of Jesus every knee should bow those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no one else who is Lord. Stop making other things and others Lord of your life because they have no power. Anything or anyone that we make Lord other than Jesus is just going to lead us down the wrong path. He is Lord. He is the only one worthy to be our Lord and Master, and as His children we should acknowledge Him as such. We have one faith: peace, faith, trust, firm persuasion. I believe this is true. I believe what he did for me on the cross. I believe that he rose again. I believe that he's coming again. It's not just something I learned as a child in church. And so, yeah, I'm going to just repeat it because it's what I know to do. I actually believe that in my heart that this is real. I wouldn't be up here if I didn't. I couldn't be up here if I didn't. And I've put my faith in the one who's already overcome the world. That's why the craziness of the world doesn't scare me like it ought to. That's why I haven't dug a hole in the ground and down there hiding from everything. Because this world gets crazier by the minute. I'm scared to turn the TV on. But because my faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe that he is who he says he is and he did what he said he did and he's going to do what he says he's going to do then I have a peace that I don't even understand in the midst of a world going crazy. And as believers we have that. As believers we, we have that That one faith, and our faith is in Christ. Not in any politician, not in any celebrity, not in any thing, not in money. In Christ. That's all we need. That one faith. Jude 3 says, Beloved, I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation. I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. As our faith in Christ makes our salvation common with one another, then we should be defending that faith. And we should be striving to bring others into relationship with Christ just as we are. Into verse five, this next one. One baptism. You say, uh oh, preacher, well, you about to open up something now. He did not say one form of baptism. One baptism. So again, let's go to the Greek baptisma to dip, to immerse. When we came to Christ in that moment, when we were declared righteous in Him, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in us. We were immersed in Christ. We were immersed in the Holy Spirit. We were baptized in the Spirit in that moment. So then, when we talk about baptism, what do we think about? Think about that up there. Filling it with water. Going up in it. Going under the water. Coming back up. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, you know, told my parents, I said, Well, I can see you. This is the house of the Lord. He's got a bathtub. But what happens when we're Baptized here is our testimony for what has already taken place. It is the symbol to show the change that Christ has already made in our lives. Galatians 3.27 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ because we have been immersed in Him. We then go before the church and share that so that others will see what God has done in our lives. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might too walk in newness of life. Sometimes when people get baptized, you hear the pastor say, Buried with Him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. See, I didn't hold him down too long, so anybody who's needing baptism, don't be be nervous. But it's a symbol of what Christ did for us when he died, was buried, and then was raised again. And it's a testimony to identify ourselves with Christ and with the body of Christ. It is an outward symbol of an inward change. Baptism itself does not save you. But when we have been saved, when we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, we then go through the waters of baptism. And whether you sprinkle or or dip or pour or immerse, the point is, are we openly and publicly identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ and with the body of Christ? There is one baptism. And that's the immersion of the Holy Spirit through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then verse 6, Paul says, One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom are all things and we exist for Him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist Through him. The word, my last Greek word of the day, and and we'll give you a test next week. It won't be too hard Theos, supreme divinity, God of all. We believe that God is one, He exists in three persons God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit, but He is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. We serve one God. And He is over all, He is through all, He is in all. And He is our Heavenly Father. Malachi 2.10 says, Do we not all have one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? Here's what it boils down to, church. We come to Christ, God becomes our Heavenly Father. If God's my Father, and He's your Father, we're brothers and sisters. Whether you like it or not. We're family. You stuck with me. I'm stuck with you. And as brothers and sisters. You know what? We got kids in our house. They they don't agree all the time. Anybody else with more than one kid. Do your kids agree all the time? Probably some of you even with grown kids. Do they agree all the time? Brothers and sisters fight. We, we have our little spats. But at the end of the day, the relationship can't be broken. At the end of the day, the love is still going to be there. At the end of the day, I can beat up my brother, but you can't. You better leave him alone. Because at the end of the day, the love is still there. At the end of the day, we understand that we are all in the same family. That we are family. We're the family of God. And that's what we're about to sing. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. But you know, as the family of God, we need to be putting away these little petty differences that in the grand scheme of things don't mean a hill of beans, to be honest. We need to focus on the common ground. We need to focus on what we have in common, and that is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And and if I'm walking with God and you're walking with God, then we're going to be walking the same direction. If we're walking two different directions, one of us isn't walking with God. That's just common sense right there. So maybe today there's something in your heart that God has placed that you need to maybe at some point go to a brother or sister and get some things straight. And that can mean a literal brother or sister or it can mean a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe there's some places you've kind of gotten off the path of your walk with the Lord and you need to get back onto that path. Ask Him to help you do that. Maybe you just need to pull the trigger on on making public your decision to follow Him as Lord and Savior and follow Him in believers' baptism. Maybe you need to pull the trigger on, on joining this church and being a part of this body officially. Maybe you need to pull the trigger on making Jesus the Lord of your life. He's been calling you and you've been resisting and you need to just say today, Lord, I want to be part of your family. I want to be one of your kids. I want to be a brother or a sister to all these folks. Maybe there's something else God has placed on your heart. And I would invite you to come. Let me pray with you. Come kneel at this altar. Pray where you are. Whatever you need to do as we sing this simple song that that we've sung. I know I've sung since I was a child. But it's so true. We are part of His family. We need to act like it. So whatever God has placed on your heart, would you respond in obedience as we sing this final song?